My name is Eldar Basic, and you're listening to Industry, the comprehensive guide to the video game industry. This is episode two, the history of Capcom. I hope you enjoy, and I hope you learn something. Even if you've never heard of Capcom, you've more than likely played some of their games. From Street Fighter to Resident Evil, Monster Hunter to Onimusha and everything in between. Today, we're going to go ahead and take an inside look into the background, formation, and some key moments from Capcom's amazing history. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump in. Before we do, a quick word from me, to you. Thanks again for listening to Industry. We are a very small team of video game enthusiasts out of Dallas and Austin, Texas. Right now, we are launching our first three episodes of the show. The History of Nintendo, this episode about Capcom, and the Insomniac story. In the future, we will do episodes based on single video game properties too, or even legendary developers like Hideo Kojima, Gabe Newell, and John Carmack. We're also going to be launching a Patreon soon, and a YouTube channel, so you can literally watch these episodes. There are tons of exciting things coming from the industry team, and we can't wait for you to be a part of it. Now let's talk Capcom. Capcom is known mainly for their Resident Evil and Street Fighter properties. Who hasn't played Street Fighter 2 on an arcade cabinet? Or surrounded by friends on their NES at home in the 90s with Hot Pockets, maybe a thing or two of Donaroos. Capcom actually started as IRM Corp in 1979. The name Capcom is a clip compound of capsule computers, a term coined by the company to describe the arcade machines it solely manufactured in its early years. Designed to set themselves apart from personal computers that were becoming widespread at that time, while Capcom's first product was the coin-operated Little League from July 1983, its first actual video game, the arcade title Vulgus, was released in May of 1984. Its division, Capcom USA, had a brief stint in the late 1980s as a video game publisher for the Commodore 64 and IBM PC DOS computers, although the development of these arcade ports were handled by other companies. I'd like to go ahead and cite Neil Ronigan's IGN article from this point onward. So, up until this point, Capcom was known for making arcade games, followed by ports of said arcade games on home consoles. Mega Man was one of the first efforts to make a console video game from Capcom. A small team, including young artist Keiji Inafune, who you may have heard of, began to develop the game with an idea of utilizing simple control combined with deep gameplay for home consoles. The game debuted on the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1987, and while sales weren't that high, it performed well enough to persuade the team to make a sequel. The series took off when Mega Man 2 released, becoming one of Capcom's cornerstone franchises and spawning a plethora of spin-offs. Also, Gun Vault, I recommend that one. Capcom's next hit changed the world. 
Yoshiki Okamoto led the development of a sequel to a mildly popular fighting game, Street Fighter. He assembled a team headed by Akira Yasuda and Akira Nishitani, a pair of young artists. The end result of their work, Street Fighter II The World Warrior, delivered a smash hit from the day it was released. The fighting game innovated on the one-on-one -on -one fighter and brought a whole new level to fighting gameplay. With multiple unique characters, easy to perform special moves, and ridiculously addictive gameplay. In 1994, Shinji Mikami set out to make the scariest and prettiest game ever created. Resident Evil didn't just serve as an example of, of survival horror, it defined the term. Capcom's marketing from the game was on point, delivering an awesome gaming experience for newcomer Sony's first console, the PlayStation. When the game first launched in March of 1996, sales boomed, establishing a new genre of gaming and a new franchise, as well as cementing Capcom as a force in the competitive system wars of the late 90s. Capcom is obviously very prominent in the Japanese-American fighting game circuit. The Capcom Cup is an annual fighting game tournament specifically focused on the Street Fighter series. The event's first incarnation was in 2013, which featured Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition versus 2012. In 2014, Twitch and Capcom partnered up to create an Ultra Street Fighter 4 circuit known as the Capcom Pro Tour. Capcom's games, from Marvel vs. Capcom to Street Fighter to Darkstalkers, would become mainstays in popular fighting game tournaments like EVO and CEO. In 2012, Capcom was criticized for controversial sales tactics, such as having to pay for additional content which was already available within the game's files, most notably in Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Capcom has defended the practice though. The company has been criticized for other business decisions, such as not releasing certain games outside of Japan, most notably with the Sengoku Basara franchise, not releasing certain games in physical format for Western markets, and abruptly canceling anticipated projects, most notably Mega Man Legends 3. In 2015, the company pulled the PlayStation 4 version of Ultra Street Fighter 4 from the Capcom Pro Tour due to numerous technical issues and gameplay bugs. In 2016, Capcom released Street Fighter 5 with very limited single-player content. At launch, there were stability issues with the game's network that booted players mid-game even when they were not playing in an online mode. Street Fighter 5 failed to meet its sales target of 2 million in March 2016. Unfortunately, they cut some corners later for Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite too, but I plan on telling that story another time. Capcom seems to be back on action as of 2017, with the release of the 7th installment of the Resident Evil series, which garnered huge profits and achieved stellar reviews from popular outlets like IGN, Kotaku, GameSpot, and more. Also, if you haven't played Resident Evil 7, I highly recommend it. Capcom also seems to be listening to fans a bit more recently too, with them putting the first Onimusha on the PS4 digitally, to them reviving the long-dormant Devil May Cry series with its fifth installment, Capcom is also releasing the popular Resident Evil 2, which has been remastered with entirely new graphics, a new camera, and tons of new content. I'm super excited for it.
So, the Marvelous Capcom series has gone on to become one of the most dominant players in the fighting game scene, but the whole thing actually started out as nothing more than a small easter egg. The first game in the Street Fighter Alpha series featured a special guest inspired by the Street Fighter anime, the ending of which showcased a two-on-one fight of Ryu and Ken against M. Bison, the primary antagonist of the Street Fighter series. The game sought to recreate this moment for players with its secret dramatic battle sequence, which allowed a player of players to fight the tyrannical dictator at the same time. While this two-on-one battle seems fairly tame today, for gamers in 1995, it was a revolutionary feeling to utilize multiple fighters at the same time. Capcom instantly recognized that they had something special on their hands with the team-up concept and would immediately begin work on a new project. This eventually became X-Men vs. Street Fighter, and the rest, as they say, is history. Resident Evil also had to go through a few changes, too. It needed a new name. Although director Shinji Mikami and the Capcom crew released it as Biohazard in Japan, the original 1996 game needed a new name before landing on American shores, partly because it'd be hard to trademark the term Biohazard as a name, and partly because there was already another game, and also a New York metal band using it. Which is weird, but funny. Mega Man, actually, was also based on Astro Boy. I don't know if you guys knew that either. Astro Boy was one of the oldest and most beloved characters in Japanese manga, and was first published in 1952. He's a robot built in the image of a young boy who fights villainous robots and saves a day from evildoers while discovering his own humanity. Kind of like Pinocchio, except without the evil robots. The original version of Mega Man looks like a young boy who fights evil robots and the rogue scientist Dr. Wily while discovering his own humanity. Mega Man and the mythology of the classic series borrow some elements from Astro Boy's universe and design, including Mega Man's helmet, which replicates Astro's iconic Widow's Peak, as well as his heroically ingrained sense of justice. Keiji Inafune, Mega Man's creator, has gone on record stating that his greatest work was partially based on Astro Boy. Interestingly, fans of both properties are uncharacteristically kind-hearted to one another, with a mutual respect towards one another. I've been in love with Capcom's games since I was literally 10 years old. I loved learning how to play Street Fighter 4 at the ripe age of 17, learning Goken's moveset and, and taking people down online and being terrified by the nemesis as it chased me around Raccoon City's subway system. The first feeling of sucking some souls out of an Oni demon in Onimusha. Watching Jubei Yegu's story and Samonosuke Akechi defeat Fortinbra, sorry spoiler, I just can't wait to see what they do next, not only in the fighting scene, but in the narrative space as well. I'm personally going to be picking up Devil May Cry 5, Resident Evil 2, and maybe even being chased around by Jack in 2019 in Resident Evil 7. So, cheers to you, Capcom. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for listening to Industry, the comprehensive guide to the video game industry. This episode was brought to you by PodParadise.com, an awesome site that I use for discovering new podcasts. Check them out at podparadise.com and discover a new show. This script was written by me and recorded and produced by me as well. We're launching a Patreon soon, so be sure to stay tuned for more news on that front. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Eldar Talks and my other scriptwriter at Derek Logic on Twitter. 
I hope you learned something, and we'll see you next time.